Jesus, we pray that you would use what you say to us in the Bible this morning to help us spread your word, to help us be more part of your kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. It is good to see all of you here. It's been a couple of weeks. It's just nice to see your faces as I look out. Before Christine and I had kids, we, we sort of felt like we were the masters of our domain. We would eat whenever we wanted to. If we decided we wanted to go to a movie, we went. When we were sleepy, we went to bed. And then we had children. And all of that ended because from the very minute that we brought our first baby home, we ate when it was right for the baby, we didn't go out anymore, and we came to the conclusion that sleep was really overrated. (laughs) If a man's home is his castle, we just experienced a palace coup. (laughs) And our little kingdom had become Holly's kingdom. But there is revenge because now it's Lucy's kingdom. She's our youngest and we do whatever she tells us to do. This fall, I'm going to be preaching a series of sermons on the kingdom of God. That is a phrase we Christians use a lot, but I'm not sure we really know what it means, which is a problem because Jesus mentions the kingdom of God more than any other subject. So we probably ought to figure out what it's all about. Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God more than, or or sometimes the kingdom of heaven, he calls it either one, more than anything else. More than he talks about repentance, sex, money, religion, anything. In fact, Jesus uses the word kingdom of God 80 times, but only uses the word church twice. Of the 52 words in the Lord's Prayer, 25% of them are dedicated to teaching us to pray that God's kingdom would come. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, to seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will follow from that. If you were reading the New Testament for the first time, it would be obvious to you that the number one priority of Jesus, his mission in the world, the thing he was most adamant about, was ushering in the kingdom of God. Which is a little bit surprising, I think, for those of us who have been Christians for a while. Because that is not the message that we preachers have preached. We preachers have tended to reduce Jesus' message and mission down to one of two things. First, Jesus came to tell us what the bare minimum requirements were for getting into heaven. You know, how can I get a C? Or, Jesus came to teach us how to do sin management. How to work really, really hard so that I can be really, really good, so that I can feel really, really superior to everyone else. Because that's what Jesus would do. But Jesus' message and mission was so much bigger than that. It was about this thing he called the kingdom of God. And to reduce Jesus' message down to what's the minimum I have to do to get into heaven or sin management is like saying that Lord of the Rings is a movie about a jeweler. (laughs) It's like when I was teaching, I'd I'd be up there lecturing away, uttering profound truths, dropping life-changing pearls of wisdom before the students. And then some student would raise his hand and ask the most demoralizing question a teacher can ever hear. Is this going to be on the test? (laughs) Yes. Word for word. Jesus' message was about so much more than just how to get into heaven or manage our sin. In the passage we just read, it says that Jesus went throughout Galilee preaching the good news of what? Of how to get into heaven? Of sin management? Now, preaching the good news of the kingdom. 
Now, certainly the kingdom includes his death on the cross to forgive our sins so we could be with God forever. And it certainly includes giving us the power to live new lives. But the kingdom of God is also about a whole lot more. And in the weeks to come, I'm going to be fleshing that out. But for today, I want to give kind of an overview of what does that phrase mean? What does the kingdom of God mean? Well, I think it means just what it says. The kingdom of God is whenever and wherever God is king. Whenever and wherever God's will is being done. Whenever and wherever his priorities, his agenda, his desires are what's happening. That place, that space of time is the kingdom of God. It's not a geographical country. It's whenever and wherever God is in charge and things are done his way. Now, we know that the full kingdom of God will not come until Jesus returns to make everything new. But nonetheless, there are bits and pieces of God's kingdom right here and right now, which is why Jesus says the kingdom is among you. It's not just out there. It's here and now. And what God wants is to see that kingdom grow. And to see that kingdom grow in three places. In me, my church, and my world. That's where God wants to see the kingdom come. As John Ortberg puts it, the kingdom of God is whenever and wherever up there comes down here. In me, my church, and my world. And that looks like a whole lot of different things. It looks like people becoming less arrogant and prideful and greedy. It looks like people loving and helping other people. Telling other people about Jesus. It looks like a lot of things, but to make it simple, let me boil it down to three things. All of them begin with the letter R. The three R's of the kingdom are... Recon- the three R's... Of- well, never, I can't get out of that sentence. Here are the three R's of the kingdom. There's no way to do it, is there? English, man. Reconciliation, restoration, rejoicing. You know, I practiced these sermons before I do it, and I didn't notice that anyway. Reconciliation, restoration, rejoicing. Whenever and wherever God is reigning, those three R's are happening. Let's start with the first one, reconciliation. What Jesus is all about is reconciliation between us and God and us and each other. Jesus is a reconciler. He bridges the gap between us and God, first by coming, God in the flesh, to show us what God is really like, and then by dying on a cross to reconcile us to God. And then it's out of being reconciled to God that we can then reconcile with each other. I can forgive you, you can forgive me, because all of our sins have been paid for. Now I'm going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks, but for now, when God is in charge, people are reconciled to him, And then instead of gossiping and holding grudges with that person we just can't stand, we end up being reconciled to that person as well. And that can happen in church, at home, in your office, in your neighborhood, in a bar, anywhere. And wherever that happens, that's the kingdom of God. The second R of the kingdom is restoration. In the kingdom of God, as opposed to the kingdom of this world, things are restored to what they were intended to be. Last spring, I wrecked my car, and it was a very irritating wreck because I I was in the U District, kind of at Montlake there, getting onto the 520 bridge, and the SUV in front of me just slammed on his brakes, and I hit him. So, obviously, I was following a little too closely, so I admit that. But here's what was frustrating. I was only going about five miles an hour. Honest, officer, honest. 
Because when I hit him, here's how I know, when I hit him, the seatbelt didn't even tighten up. I mean, it tightens up when I sneeze, but it didn't budge. I had papers on the passenger seat. They didn't even so much as flutter. But I hit this guy's trailer hitch in the back. Didn't do a thing to his car, but it went straight through the grill of mine, wiped out the hood, the radiator, all kinds of stuff. I got out of the car, and there's this stream of green radiator fluid flowing from my car. And here's how weird I am. I had a meeting to get to at the church, and my first thought was, if I go now, I can still make it to the meeting. I've got just enough radiator fluid. So I handed the guy my phone number, and I headed out. He says, don't you want to ride where you're going? I said, no, I've got a meeting. I'm late. And I got in, and I started across the bridge. By Clyde Hill, I noticed this weird smell coming from my engine. But I made the meeting. That's how weird I am. And I was just sure this thing was going to be totaled, which really depressed me because I'm really attached to that car, not for materialistic reasons, but sentimental reasons. Uh, We got that car when our first child was born. That was part of losing control. Baby needed a new car, right? I have my morning devotions in that car while it's parked. It has four-wheel drive, which means if it snows, I can keep driving, which makes me look cool, and I need all the cool I can get. So I, and I was just sure this thing was done for, but the insurance guy said, no, we can fix it. Took them two months, but they fixed it, and it looked brand new like the day I bought it. It was restored. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants to restore everything. That's why we see Jesus in the story we read, healing people and casting out demons to restore them. Because, you see, all of us have been wrecked by sin. We are not the people God intended us to be. We're prideful. We don't love each other. We're filled with fears and greed and addictions. And God wants to restore us to be the people he created us to be, to free us from all of that. And because we're all wrecked by sin, the church gets wrecked by sin. That shouldn't surprise us. The ticket for admission here is all of us are sinners in in need of God's grace. But as a result, the church isn't often what God intended it to be. And our world gets wrecked by sin. Saw this four years ago, when people who were so wrecked by sin decided to fly planes into a building. We saw it two weeks ago with the hurricane, which I know raises a whole host of questions. Why did God let that happen? And I can't go into that here. I'd refer you to a sermon I preached in March. Suffice it to say, though, that Scripture says that when we, when we rebelled against God, somehow that messed up nature. And somehow we became more vulnerable to nature. And so now there are things like hurricanes that can hurt us. And none of that is what God wanted. None of that is what God intended. And what God wants is to restore all of that. Restore us. Restore this church. Restore this world. Whenever God is in charge, things and folks are getting restored. When I become less self-centered... When church people serve each other and our community, like we did at Stevenson. When Christians send money to help rebuild the Gulf Coast in the name of Jesus, so that people not only get helped, but get introduced to the God who loved them enough to die for them. That's the kingdom of God. When God is reigning, there's reconciliation, restoration, and the third R is rejoicing. Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a wedding feast where everyone is invited. Jesus spent a lot of time at parties, eating and drinking and celebrating to show that the kingdom of God was about joy. 
That's why Jesus says that when people really experience the kingdom, they want it more than anything else. He compares it to a merchant who finds a really expensive pearl, sells everything he has to buy that one pearl. That's the kingdom. When you really understand what it's about, when you really experience it, you want it more than anything else. You want it more than a new car. You want it more than a trip to Hawaii, more than the perfect job, more than the perfect spouse, more than anything. When God really starts to reign and people and churches and parts of this world get restored and reconciled. And when his will gets done here on earth as it is in heaven, when up there comes down here, you just get really excited. You're going to want to sing. You're going to want to shout. You're going to want to clap your hands. You're going to want to dance. Or for us Presbyterians, we're really going to want to form a committee to study dancing. We're going to go crazy. That's how excited we're going to be. When up there comes down here in me, my church, and my world. And the good news in all of this, the really good news in all of this, is that God has a plan. To make that so. Jesus has already done the hard work, came to show us what God was like, teach us about the kingdom, die for us so that we could be reconciled for him. And now God has a plan to extend his kingdom in you, in this church, and in the world out there. And you know what his plan is? His plan is you. You're his plan. I'm his plan. We are all his plan. That's why in this story, Jesus heals, uh, heals people, and then he calls a group of people to go help him spread the kingdom. We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. That's it. One plan. And that has been the plan ever since Genesis 3, when we rebelled against God, and the kingdom of God became the kingdom of this world. A messed up kingdom where people fly planes into buildings, and husbands and wives fight, and there are addictions and fears and greed, and the worst of all, where we feel separated from God. And all of that breaks God's heart. And ever since then, he has been on a mission to make up there, come down here. Yes, it won't fully happen until Jesus returns. But God wants as many people as possible right here, right now, to know him and experience his kingdom. And so he calls us to partner with him in making that happen. That's his plan. Now, you might want to say, that's a bad plan. Kind of, yeah. But it's the plan. And the good news is that we do not have to do it ourselves. He's going to do it through us, but he really wants us to participate. And whenever someone in an office listens to a coworker in need, whenever a teacher prays for a student, whenever someone kicks a bad habit, whenever someone tells someone else the good news that there's a God out there who loved them enough to die for them, whenever people who have a lot share it with others in the name of Jesus, that's the kingdom of God. And it brings reconciliation, restoration, and rejoicing in me, the church, and the world. There is a wonderful kingdom of God moment that happens in our chapel building every couple of weeks. Women at the Well is a women's Bible study that meets every Tuesday morning. My wife and Susan Burbank are the teachers. And they had this great idea that every couple of weeks, all the women would cook and throw a party for the students at Eastside Academy. That's the school that, we, that meets in our church here for at-risk students. Some of these students have not made it in the school system. Some have uh, substance abuse issues. Some have troubles with the law. So already there you've got a weird, unexpected mix of people, right? Presbyterian women at prayer and at-risk youth, right? They, they both sort of conjure up images of their own, and you just kind of don't see them going together. 
And yet, every couple of weeks, there they are, sitting at tables together, eating and having a good time. And, and it's fun. In fact, one of the things they do is they play games. And one time they were playing a game called Celebrity, which is basically charades, only you have to use the name of celebrities. My wife said it was hilarious because the kids would put in names of rock stars and rap artists like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, while the women would put in names like Lawrence Welk. So you have these Presbyterian women trying to act out Snoop Dogg and at-risk youth going, who's Lawrence Welk? Sounds like Elk? I mean, you know. And the only thing you can do at that point is laugh because it's just so darn cool. And the kids like it. They're always asking, hey, is it women at the well day today? The women like it. Some of them have said to my wife, you know, at first I was scared, but I've really grown to love these kids. One of the kids last year was pregnant, and so the women in the group helped her out by getting her things like a a stroller and blankets and all kinds of things. That's the kingdom of God. Presbyterian women at prayer and at-risk youth. Who would put those two together? Nobody but Jesus and my wife, and I obey both. That's the kingdom of God. There's reconciliation between two groups of people that don't normally mix. There's restoration as these kids are given dignity and get the love they're sometimes missing. And the women get the relationship with these kids and their heart is expanded. And there's a lot of rejoicing because it's fun. And that's what Jesus wants to do. In me, my church, and my world. And I'm going to talk a lot more about what that looks like in the weeks ahead. But for this week as you leave... I'd like to ask you to do this one simple thing. One simple thing. Every day this week, pray this one prayer. Lord, would you please make up there, come down here. In me, my church, and my world. And then keep your eyes open for opportunities where you can be part of reconciliation. Where you can restore something or someone. And where you can rejoice. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in me, my church, my world, just as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, that is our prayer. We ask that you would please make it so. Please make your kingdom come in us, in this church, in our world. And we'll be grateful people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.